Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 34 verse 11 Thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Well, God bless you, and we are grateful to the Lord that we can read Holy Scripture and try to understand what those scriptures mean for our lives. This passage that we're reading this morning is happening on a Sunday that we call Christ the King Sunday. And as the title conveys, it conveys this important truth that Christ is King, that Christ's power and authority are higher than any of the powers and authorities on earth. Whether it is political or papal or military, we are affirming this morning that Christ is all, that Christ is Lord, that Christ is King. Do you believe that? But this Sunday is also the final Sunday of the church year, and Advent actually begins next Sunday. And that's where we begin to prepare our hearts for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text this morning comes to us from Ezekiel 34, where the prophet tells a parable that challenges a system in which Israel's shepherds, or the ruling class, acts more like wolves than shepherds. And you can hear from today's reading that shepherding and leadership, and I'll use those words interchangeably, shepherding and leadership is a messy business. Not every shepherd, not every leader is in it for God and for God's people. Some shepherds are wolves in sheep's clothing. And instead of praying for God's people, 
we find in our text this morning that the shepherds were praying on God's people. And in today's reading, we see these charges that are leveled against the shepherds, leveled against the leaders, and then we see God's response to the abuses of these, of, of these shepherds. And then I want to close with a few words about what healthy leaders and healthy churches may just look like. So first, let's look at the charges against the shepherd. So when you read the Bible and you see the word shepherd, who or what is a shepherd in the Bible? Well, of course we know that shepherds were literal shepherds that took care of sheep. But here we are talking about the use of the word shepherd as a metaphor describing the activity of a leader or a king or a priest or a prophet. And in the Old Testament, that's how shepherds were described. In the New Testament, shepherds were also described as priests and religious leaders who were called to serve and care for God's people. When you read the letters of Peter and Paul, they speak of shepherds as elders and pastors and bishops who are called upon to shepherd the people of God. And so in the ideal world, shepherds were to be caretakers of God's people and of God's flock. God gives the people into the hands of these shepherds where they care for them and they lead them and they feed them and they protect them. But what we're finding as we read Ezekiel 34 is that shepherds are humans and they fail in their care for God's people. And here's why. Here's why. Some shepherds are toxic. Some shepherds are dysfunctional. And instead of feeding God's people, they feed themselves. Ezekiel spoke some very hard truths to the false shepherds. Listen to what he says, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? And of course the answer is yes, but instead Ezekiel says you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the, with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost. But with force and harshness, you ruled over them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And today we would call this, what, what, what Ezekiel just describes, described for us, an abuse of power. That kind of behavior is what we call the abuse of power. And the point made by the prophet is that in a society, in a church, in a family, in an organization, that church, that family, that organization cannot rise any higher than its shepherds. Shepherds can bring a church down. Shepherds, with the heart of the king, Jesus can raise and lift up a congregation. So what is God's response to the abuse and the abuses that are meted out to his people? What I want you to know this morning is that God is not passive when it comes to God's flock. God calls the shepherds to an account for the care of God's flock. And you'll notice that the Lord's response is twofold. First of all, the Lord said, I am going to relieve the toxic shepherds of their duties. 
So look at verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that they may not be food for them. God is not passive. God loves his people. And whenever you hear of a scandal in the church, a scandal, whether it's in the PCUSA or the Roman Catholic Church or the mega churches of our country, I believe that is the activity of God saying enough is enough. I am going to expose these toxic shepherds. I'm going to bring them down and relieve my people from their abuse. But the second way in which God decides to act and to respond to the abuses of his people is where the Lord says, I will become a shepherd to my people. And I noticed in verses 11 through 16 that there were 11 I wills, 11 very resolute I wills, where the Lord says, for thus says the Lord, and let me just, hear, let me just read them for you. Thus says the Lord, I will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Isn't that great? That God knows the sheep, God calls them, God looks after them. I will bring them into their land. I will feed them. I myself will be the shepherd of my people. I will make them lie down. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will give them justice. I will save my flock and they will no longer be ravaged and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And then verse 23, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And then the last verse of this chapter, Ezekiel 34, verse 31, the Lord says to his people, you are, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. How many times have you read that? Whether in Psalm 23 or in Psalm 100 or in Psalm 95 or in John chapter 10 where the Lord says, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. I am your God, says the Lord God. God promises that he is going to become the shepherd for his people. And when shepherds like me fall down on the job, God says, no, I'm not going to let my sheep suffer. I will feed my flock like a shepherd. I will gather my lambs in my arms. I will carry them in my bosom. I will lead them, gently lead them. God cares about his sheep. Can there be any doubt about this? Can there be any doubt about the passion, God's fierce love for us, his flock? When you look back at the covenant that God made with David, God said that there will always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne. And the reason why God said that, God made that covenant with David, God said that David was a man after my own heart. David, as we read later on in Scripture, was the precursor, the forerunner for the coming of Jesus into the world. But the thing we need to understand is that even in the life of this man, David failed 
And you know the story. You read 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, and you read about David's failure, how David abused God's people. And instead of building up God's people, David, David brought down God's people. David failed. He was human. He died. His throne was later occupied by later kings who were ruthless leaders. David's kingdom, the kingdom that he unified, became splintered. And David did the best that he could, and yet David failed. But Jesus comes to us this morning as the fulfillment of God's heart. What David failed to do, Jesus accomplished. Jesus comes to us as the fulfillment of God's heart. And the Bible tells us that Jesus has come. There is one greater than David who has come, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And that's really important to hear. Because what that means for us this morning is that Jesus then responded to, the, to God's flock with the heart and the love and the compassion of God. And as believers, then, we look to Jesus as the best example of a shepherd. It's no wonder that Jesus describes himself in John chapter 10 as the good shepherd. And I went back and I read parts of John chapter 10, and this is what I found, that as the good shepherd, Jesus knows his sheep. He calls them by name. Jesus says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says that I have come that my sheep may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus lays down his life as the good shepherd for his sheep. Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. When I read those words, when you hear those words, what comes to mind? When you think about Jesus as your good shepherd, what comes to mind? Let me tell you what comes to my mind. With Jesus as our good shepherd, I think we have what's called physical and psychological safety. And that is important. When I think about Jesus as my good shepherd, as our good shepherd, I feel huge waves of trust. No insecurity, but trust. There's no manipulation when Jesus is our good shepherd. When Jesus is our good shepherd, we can know that he will serve us, that we're safe, that we're accepted, that we are protected that we're fed, that we're led, that each and every one of us matter to God. And if you don't believe me, you can go back and read Luke 15, where Jesus tells the parable of the shepherd who discovers that one of his sheep is missing. And what does he do? He leaves the 99, he goes after that one sheep, he finds that one sheep, and he brings the sheep home, and there is great rejoicing. Jesus loves his people. He is the great shepherd king. And that is why we have to be careful what we do with Jesus' church because he's jealous and he's zealous for his people. And so I want to close this morning by just having you think with me about the church and 21st century shepherds. So we've made the point already that in the book of Ezekiel, and even today, there are leaders who are in it for themselves. We've already made the point that God cares so much about his church and about his flock 
that he will remove those toxic leaders, he will remove those self-centered leaders, and he will become the shepherd of his people. But when we look at the church in our time, and those who are called to, to, to lead the church, we must be very careful. And I want you to imagine with me a church, a family, a staff, an organization where the leaders embrace the heart of Jesus, where the leader's heart and the heart of King Jesus are one. I want you to imagine that kind of church because in a church like that, in an organization like that, everything that Jesus says in John chapter 10 becomes possible. You have a very strong and healthy culture within that church. But unfortunately, as you and I know, in our world today, there is a real loss of what I call innocence. There is this growing disillusionment among God's people because they looked to the church, they looked to the community to be a safe place, but instead it becomes a place where there's been abuse, there's been a rejection, there has been manipulation, there's been power play, there's been takedowns. And people no longer trust the church, people no longer trust pastors, people no longer trust their leaders because they're not sure if the leaders have the heart of God. And if this, this is true, this is true for many, many others who wants to look to the church to be a place of safety, a place of encouragement, but instead they've been harmed and they've been hurt and they've been discouraged. Just this week, I received in my inbox a 400-page PDF from the Vatican. It's been sent out to the whole world and you can access that PDF file that goes into intricate detail about the fall of one of the cardinals, Cardinal McCarrick. And it tells the whole story of his life, how he started out with the heart of the king, but somewhere along the line, this dear man left that path of following King Jesus and started praying on God's flock. And that breaks my heart. And it breaks your heart. And you know, when leaders go astray, it is one of the premier strategies of the devil that the devil uses to harm God's church. You notice what Jesus said as he stood in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, he quoted the psalmist, strike the shepherd, and what happens? The flock is scattered. And that's the strategy of the devil, to attack leaders leaders in families, leaders in churches, leaders in organizations, because once you begin to attack at the, at the very pinnacle of that organization, then that harm begins to filter through the rest of the body. And then we've heard of so many church leaders who have found themselves in trouble, leaders of mega churches, leaders of smaller churches, and the wounds that are inflicted upon those congregations. And I want to say to you this morning that if you are one of the church's wounded, you need to know that Jesus cares for you. I want to say to you this morning that if somewhere in my ministry, in my time here at the church, that I have inflicted wounds upon you, you need to let me know. Or at least let the personal committee know. Or let the elders know. If you can't come to me and tell me that because... I want to make that right. I want to be reconciled with you. If you are one of the church's wounded, you need to know that Jesus cares about you, 
that Jesus sees you, that Jesus knows what you've been through and he knows what you're going through and he wants to heal you from that pain because Jesus loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to find green pasture. I know that in the church there are moments when we've all let each other down. We've all let each other down. We start out genuine. We want to help. We want to be, do good things. But because of our weaknesses and, and our humanity, we fail each other. I know that happens. It happens in, in churches. It happens between spouses. It happens among clergy. It happens among close friends. We disappoint each other. And what I want to do this morning then is to close with this encouragement if you have wounded, if you have been wounded by others, what do we do? How do we develop leaders who have the shepherding heart of Jesus? I think one of the things we have to do, first of all, is to say these three words, I'm sorry. We've got to repent. We've got to apologize to the people that we've wounded. We've got to figure out a way to reconcile. That's one of the first things we have to do if we're going to have a heart that resembles the heart of Jesus is to have a repentant heart. The second thing I would encourage you to consider is that as, as shepherds, we need to reject the impulse to build a name or an empire or a following for ourselves. There are so many leaders today, they're just in it for the power and the glory. And if you're going to be a shepherd with the heart of Jesus, you must leave ego at the door. It's not about us. It is about Jesus and his people. The third thing I would encourage you to do is to ask God to give you a heart to love people more than programs. Love people more than projects. This is our number one call. We're called to serve God's people. The fourth thing I would ask you to consider then is to treat people as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Treat people as your brothers and your sisters in Christ. The fifth thing I would ask you to do is to remember that the greatest kind of leadership is kindness. The greatest kind of leadership is kindness. The most eloquent thing, the most impressive thing, the most powerful thing that you could do is to show kindness. It was Henry James who said, that there are three things in human life that are very important. Three things in human life are important. He said, the first is to be kind. You want to know what the second thing is? The second thing is to be kind. You want to know what the third thing is? The third thing is to be kind. The greatest thing we can do as leaders is just to be kind. And then last of all, and this really challenges my leadership every day is that one day I will have to give an account to God for the way I treated people. God's not going to be impressed with the sermons I preached. God's not going to be impressed with the organization and the size of the organization that I led. God is not going to be impressed with all of the accolades and the accomplishments God will examine me. God will examine you on the basis of how did you treat my people. And so my brothers and sisters, for the sake of this congregation, 
And for the sake of the families in this church and its members, I want to call on every leader in our church, the leaders who make up our staff, the leaders who make up our session, the leaders who make up our deacons and our trustees. I invite all of our leaders, if you would join me, join me in modeling a style of leadership that reflects the heart of King Jesus. You see, I don't want our church to be known as the rich church. I don't want our church to be known as that troubled church on the corner of Lake and Chicago. I don't want our church to be known as that scandal-plagued church. I don't want our church to be known as that church that is cold and business-driven. I don't want our church to be known as a church where people are unsafe. You don't want to go to that church because they chew you up and they spit you out. No. I want our church to be known as a church where people are safe, where children are safe, where women are respected and are safe, where people are fed, where people are loved, where people matter, where people are seen and not ignored where people are treated not on the base of their rank or their zip code or their degrees or how much money they give, but where people are treated with dignity as God's people. And the only way that can happen, it has to start at the top. I need to do that. Our staff need to do that. Our elders and our deacons and our trustees and our leaders must lead with the heart of Jesus, our Shepherd King. And only then, only then, will our mission come to life when we have the heart of Jesus and we love people one person at a time. One person at a time. One person at a time. Because that's how Jesus loves you and loves me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.